This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing in the backcountry. All right, welcome to episode number 35 of the Fish Untamed podcast. Today's episode was a super fun one to record because I got to finally sit down and do my first in-person episode uh, with none other than the host of the original podcast network I was on, uh, Sam Ayers of The Wild Initiative. And apart from the fact that, you know, he was in town, so I wanted to have him on, uh, I was really excited to talk to Sam because... Uh, he has gotten into fly fishing pretty recently. Um, I'd say he took it up seriously a couple months ago, even though he bought a rod, oh, I don't know, maybe a year ago now. Um, but either way, he's finally kind of gotten into it a little bit more. And I've been wanting to talk to him kind of about his experience as a new angler, but I wanted to wait long enough for him to actually have something to say just beyond, you know, I'm just getting started and I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Uh, so when he told me he'd be passing through Colorado... Uh, I was like, yeah, let's go fishing and we can record a podcast. So um, we went out fishing and he, I think, tripled his uh, number of fish prior to that uh, when we were out there together. So uh, we got to talk right after we got back from that trip. Um, I got to hear some thoughts from him about what it's like to be kind of just getting into the game, um, just far enough in to kind of know what he's doing, but still still have a lot of questions and just talk about his experience um, catching his first cutthroats and his first brown trout on the fly. Uh, we had a great time. There's a lot of laughing, a lot of jokes. Um, and just for some context, I don't think we caught anything over eight inches that day. So that'll that'll explain some of the joking about the giant fish we caught. Um, so I will hop right into it. Here is my chat with Sam Ayers. So is today's episode going to be informational, I assume, since you're here to um, share your expertise on, on the fly fishing yeah, industry? Yeah, so really, you know, after... Uh 
after catching some lunkers like we did today, I really feel like I've got a lot to share with the fly fishing community. You know, my expertise is is effectively boundless. Um, I just I really think that uh, most anyone could benefit. You know, like clearly. Clearly, I mean, you know, after ripping lips like we did today. So I, I am curious, like, how how into the fly fishing slang world do you feel at this point? So, <laughs> like, at what point do you feel indoctrinated in where you're like, I can start using these? <laughs> that's a, that's like an interesting thing. Like, it's kind of like, okay, you go fishing twice. You're not like <laughs> I'm an expert now. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's like you don't. I don't know. It almost feels disingenuous to use the slang because you're not part of the culture yet. You've yeah. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of an example, but like. But how do you know when that when you've crossed that barrier? Where like I don't feel like a charlatan. It almost by. feels like when it when it just comes naturally. When you've had enough conversations with people that it suddenly becomes like a natural part of your uh, of your vocabulary or whatever that is your discourse. Where it's like, I, th- I and you know, once again, this is clearly very scientific, uh, exact process here. But I feel like, okay, when you've been doing it long enough, you've been interacting with the community long enough that you feel like, that it just kind of comes naturally. You, if you feel like you have to, like, have to say something, or you, like, need to or find thinking, the right words. thinking, I, like, what should I insert in this, like, you, like, like go through your dictionary in your head of like all the uh all the slang terms you yeah. can put in there and be like insert versus just it just comes out exactly i feel like yeah if you have to sit and think about like you know okay how would if you have to sit and think like okay how would like a real angler <laughs> oh, <God>. like <laughs> how would like a real, well, real that, fly that's your admittance so this. like okay well i shouldn't be saying it exactly and i think <laughs> you know i mean again there's no like hard and fast like okay this is the appropriate time to use the slang and you know, and of course, I'm probably the last person that should be dictating one way or the when other someone what, says something. <laughs> when Although, someone should say something. <laughs> I wonder if there's almost like a, a path that someone takes where you start off and you're like, I I don't feel comfortable saying this. And then you get to the place where like, I'm experienced enough to say this. And then you get so experienced, you're like, I don't need to say that anymore. Like, I, I don't need to try so hard. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? Ripping lips ain't cool? <laughs> Lunkers. Lunkers. <laughs> yeah, you know, cut. Got me a couple of toads today. Yeah, so tell me about your your toads today. <laughs> yeah, you know, so uh, we went out and uh, you know you've been bugging me to come fly fishing. You know, I know you want to soak up some of my experience too. Um, so I was like, okay, finally, you know, I'll grace her with my presence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been counting down the days, just marking the X's on the calendar. Exactly. This is the uh, the the Sam's coming fly fishing calendar. I really hope people have not like stopped the podcast by now. Like, no, no, they're definitely they're <laughs> wanting to see how this dumpster fire ends. <laughs> Dear Lord, this guy's an asshole. Like, <laughs> folks, if you have seen the pictures I have posted on Instagram at this point, you will know. Dear Lord, we are joking. Um, so, I am a I am a brand new fly fisherman fly anglers is fly angler used uh i don't see why it couldn't be but i don't hear it very often 
often. I like using the term angler. I just I, I like, like angler that term. too. Fly fisherman sounds too pretentious, and fisherman sounds like you're you're like well I gotta fisherman let him I gotta like, let him know I did it with a fly though you know like. Well, I was gonna say saying fisherman <laughs> always makes me think like I need to be wearing like a beanie like Hemingway. Uh, yeah, or? like I need to be wearing like a beanie, a yellow like rain jacket, and be on like a on like a deep sea boat and like hauling in nets or something. Yeah. That's Angl- what I think. Angler sounds – I feel like angler is a good um, – it just sounds clean. There's no controversy. Yeah. There's no, like, weird, like, what you're getting at when you say it. It's, it's clear. It just is. It, it's, so I'm going to start – I'm going to use fly angler. Fly angler. Fly angler. People are probably, like, shaking their heads at me, but I don't care. <laughs> fly uh, hyphen angler. <laughs> fly hyphen angler. Um, so uh, – Fly fly fishing, being a fly angler, is, is – I'm brand new at all this. Um, I'm the first person to admit I don't know crap. Um, I, uh, I've always been interested in it, but I'm also brand new at hunting. And so I got into hunting. I got into all the outdoors, all this stuff. I'm originally a city kid. I grew up in the suburbs of Orange County, lived in Los Angeles for most of my life. Like, I just didn't have a lot of friends that did this. I, I, would, I would spin real fish like – for a week every summer on vacation, and that was it. Same rock, same stocked rainbow trout that we'd always get, and, uh, I mean, I could set up tackle for that like no one's business. You put me with any other rig anywhere else, I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, but I've always wanted to fly fish, and it's, it's, it's romantic. It's an art form. It is beautiful. I mean, shoot, how can you not watch a river runs through it and be like, I'm going to go buy all the fly rods in the world. Like, <laughs> well, I think that actually happened when that movie came out. I think fly, like, fly fishing as a hobby like skyrocketed after that movie. And I, don't, and I don't know how many people stuck with it or if there was like a plateau you mm-hmm. know, the year after and then there, you know, maybe all the numbers dropped off. But I know that that's considered like a spike right after that movie came out. It'd be interesting. I'm sure there's probably numbers for that around. Oh, yeah. But like, it's almost like you know when Joe Rogan picked up bow hunting. All of a sudden, you could not find a used bow on eBay to save your life. Like, very similar idea where it suddenly is inserted in in a beautiful way in popular culture, and everyone's like, I need to give this a try, which is awesome. It's, you know, and I'm, we all, we all kind of bitch and moan a little bit about, you know, there's uh, too crowded, too crowded in the woods or, you know, oh my gosh, if we see another pull off with six cars on it, you know, while we're trying to find a spot on the river, you know, you're going to shoot ourselves, but, um, it's it's exciting to see that many people at least excited and and trying to gain an understanding of the outdoors. But um, you know, I always had a f- interest in in fly fishing, wanted to do it, but I'm like, you know, I should probably at least focus a little bit more on on the the one incredibly difficult new hobby that I've picked up with you know bow hunting until at least you know I I hate to even say that I have a handle on it because I don't even close to have a handle and I'm not sure anyone ever does. Well, I like that you still say like I'm like a brand new hunter. I'm like you've been hunting for like several years now. Yeah. Which like I don't I don't disagree. Like, it, you know, you're obviously still in the early stages of a lot of things. Like I am too. But I feel like there's a lot of people who do something like three times and they're like, I, like I do this now. And you I'm, know, I'm an influencer. Right. And it's like, <laughs> I, I appreciate when I hear someone who's like, I've been doing this for you. Like they underestimate themselves. And it's like, no, you're probably more knowledgeable than, you know, a lot of people out there. But you're like, I think that's what keeps you motivated to keep learning more is because you convince yourself that you're so brand new, even though like you've, mm-hmm. you know, you've been fly fishing for a couple months now. I mean, effectively since January was when I really seriously started pulling out the rod and 
I mean, you know, it's all tech. Set the bar low. <laughs> that way, that, that's why you, you haven't do. like caught many fish until now. Is because as soon as you catch a bunch, you can only go downhill from there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, so I uh, I had you on the podcast. We had we had been talking earlier, like right when you were getting ready to start your podcast, and and so I had you on the podcast to kind of introduce your podcast to uh, to all my listeners, and um, and also because. I was like, okay, I'm kind of figuring out a little more with this bow hunting. I can, I can maybe start thinking about trying something new. Be good to have a uh, a fly angler on the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and I I still love that podcast. I think it is the like perfect intro. If somebody wants to get into fly fishing, I think we were talking about it earlier, where it was like you're not going to learn everything about fly fishing by listening to that podcast. Like you're going to need to figure out a lot more stuff, but it, it teaches you which questions to ask and just where to start. Like it puts you on a path without, you know, but it does, it's not going to give you all the answers. Nothing is. It kind of like, like points you in the right direction to start getting the answers that you need. Whereas before you're like, I don't even know what answers I'm looking for. Exactly. You don't know what questions to ask. You don't know just where to begin. And so I, th- I think that's a great episode. And, you know, I was I was in Montana at the time. I, I recorded that episode from a really sketchy Montana oh, yeah. motel that I, I forgot was about in. that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I was going to pick up some stuff from the local sports store in, in Lewistown, Montana. It was just a little, little teeny sports store. And I was just – I walked by all the fly fishing gear. I'm like, nah, nah, I don't need to do that right now. I'm still figuring stuff out. I'm in the middle of my elk hunt. Yeah, a few hundred dollars later. <laughs> no. Well, see, that's the fastest way to get started, though, because it's so easy. Like, we were talking about how I listened to your episode about waterfowl hunting, and I was, like, in the same mm-hmm. boat where I was like, oh, good. You know, I need an intro on this. Um, but but it's still just one of those things where I'm like, yeah, well, someday. But the, I feel like the fastest way to make yourself, like, just go do it is – drop a couple hundred bucks on the initial gear that you know you need, and you're like, well, I, now I've got money in this, so I should probably go try using it. But as long as you don't have that gear yet, it's, like, really easy to keep pushing it off. Yeah. So, I don't know. If you had a flyer, like, collecting dust in your corner, I feel like you're a lot more likely to be like, well, I don't care how bad I am. I'm going to go throw this out in the water and see what happens. Well, and that was the whole thing. Like, I went and – and we even talked about that. You don't have to spend a ton of money to start. Like, you know, I say – whatever a couple hundred bucks i didn't even spend that like i think i spent eighty dollars on like an inexpensive uh starter kit you know that was uh nine foot five weight rod kind of good all-around rod had everything i needed all i had to do was assemble it and tie on some flies so i went and we had talked about flies you'd kind of we talked about some to to check out and and then i also did a google search like okay (laughs) google what flies does everyone need to have? <laughs> and 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 ha- about but half see, that's of them a good were search. ones we discussed. Yeah, because yeah. there there are like a couple basic ones that they were probably going to show up in like every single woolly link. buggers, parachute atoms. Like there's just you know a a few that uh, what was it? Copper Johns. Yeah, um, they just seem to work everywhere. You know, and and so I picked a few of those up, and I picked up some. You know, just a few little things here and there, a fly box, and kind of, you know, the little, little things. And then I didn't touch my rod for like three months <laughs> until effectively kind of January came around and um, I had, I'd gotten a pair of, and I'm still using them, $30 waders. We can maybe put a picture, maybe that could be your like cover image for this episode is uh, just a, a neck 
to foot image of your waiters. <laughs> my my, and, and and I'm not talking crap about the waiters because they have served me well. They do not have a single leak in well, them. Well, you can't they keep squat. Me dry. I cannot squat. I cannot bend my knees when I'm wearing those waiters unless I have them so loose they don't they won't stay up. Um, they are effectively a giant garbage bag. So even in the coldest water, you will be sweating your balls off. Like it is. But you know what? I couldn't afford, you know, a pair of $200 waiters. Yeah, and cheaper stuff exists. I think that's the thing is, like, people are like, oh, this is expensive because what people eventually end up at is expensive. I feel like that's every hobby. Yeah. Um, There are things available that people make fun of you for owning, you know, but look you didn't get wet today. <laughs> exactly. Well, and you know what? And we say people will make fun of you, and it's all good natured. Like, you know, I was – I mean, yeah, you'd be a real asshole if you if you actually made fun of somebody because you're like, ah, your waiters are too cheap. Yeah, like, I don't know you, but just wanted to let you know. But I mean, all in all, you know, you know, not counting whatever you know my fishing licenses for like the eight states now <laughs> like, that I just which haven't. add up. Yeah, those, and especially when you're non-resident uh, in pretty much all of them. I don't think I even have my. No, I do. I definitely do. I'm, I'd be stupid if I didn't. So have I've you been getting annuals? Or are you able to like kind of get uh, like a couple days in each state and keep, make it cheaper? Uh, it depends. Um, some places, like Montana, I got annuals because I knew I'd be going back. Uh, other, like when I was in Oregon, um, when I was in Oregon, I just got like a, a, I think I just got a one-day fishing license because I was only there for a day. And, you know, I mean, then every state's a little bit different what they offer. Some offer one day, some offer three days, some offer five days, some offer... You know, like one day or annual. Yeah, like. <laughs> it's like it's it's a mix, and so um, you know, it's uh, it just all depends on how often I think I'm going to be coming back, what time of year it is. Now it's getting later in the year. It's kind of like okay, the likelihood of me coming back before next year is pretty low, so maybe just do a five day. Yeah. I remember. I'm trying to think of what like the most expensive state that. Like, I remember thinking New Mexico was really expensive when I went to fish there. I think a day was like eighteen dollars or something, and I was like. At the end, at the end of the day, it's not that much money to yeah. like go spend a day doing something I love. But I think it's just compared to other states I've been to. I remember that one being a little bit more expensive. Well, I think I think Oregon was like fifteen, sixteen bucks, something like okay. that, for a non-resident like single day license. And I mean, obviously, you know, you get a five day license. It's not going to be you know fifteen times five or whatever. It's yeah, it's you a get little, little money off bulk discounts effectively. Like <laughs> for, the Costco, for days I had like a Costco license. There you go. You know what, like, it would, it would be cool if there was, like, some sort of uh, almost like a Western States license or something where you could buy kind of like uh, an overall license for, like, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Colorado, or something. Like, this whole just, like, group of states where it was a single single license, you know, whatever, you maybe you get a deal or it's some sort of almost like, you know, and again – this is the difference between federal and state, but almost like, you know, you can buy like uh, a parks pass, like a, like a national parks pass is good for all the national parks. Exactly. Kind of something like that where uh, it would, that would be an interesting, uh, that would be an interesting concept. But of course, our, not that our states would ever get along well no, enough. No, they all got to make their own rules. I, I wish more states had some sort of like five-year license. Like, I don't know where I'm going to be in five years, but I think it's very highly likely that I'll be fishing Colorado for the next five years. Like, even if I were to yeah. move out of state, it's probably not going to be far enough away that um, I wouldn't be willing to come back and fish here. So I would, I would buy a, like a five-year license right now, and if it shaved off, let's say like ten bucks a year, it's like okay, I save like fifty bucks, um, and I know I'm going to buy that license anyway. I guess 
then you're risking losing it and having to like get it reprinted because you you have yeah. it for longer. But I don't well, know. I mean, most of those like you can you know you can find them online, you can get them reprinted. Well, like what it's I think it's, it's like really a five dollar charge to get it re- yeah. reprinted or something like that. Well, oh, so we uh uh we were talking about the uh, the giant uh, lunkers. Oh yeah, the, the giant I... trout you caught today, which. I, I would like to point out that you caught what twice what you had already caught. Yeah, so this I mean, point. Uh, you know, caught a pretty significant amount of fish, and even today, uh, we doubled the amount of fish. Uh, I guess we lifetime fly rod. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what we caught today was double what I'd caught lifetime prior to this. Uh, on, on a fly rod. On a fly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it was you know all joking aside. Uh, I caught uh, four four fish today. Um, which for me was huge. I'd only ever, I'd, I'd caught a little mountain whitefish in Montana and then I'd caught a, a pretty decent sized rainbow trout, uh, back in California. And so, you know, I was excited to just learn some things, come out, try something new today and, uh, caught, uh, two cutthroats and caught two browns today. And, um, which was just super exciting for me. I was really wanted to come out and catch a cutthroat, you know, Colorado state fish and everything. Um, and so it's like you, I kind of feel like if you come out here to fish for the first time, you gotta you gotta catch a cutthroat. Yeah, do like, like the local the local kind of fishing. Like you can catch exactly. a you can catch a, a brown trout anywhere. Yeah, but. you can catch a brown anywhere. You can catch a rainbow pretty much just about anywhere too. Like it's, I mean, I've been catching rainbow trout my whole life. Like I I I, I get excited about every fish I catch. Don't get me wrong, but I get a lot. I would get a lot more. I get a lot more excited about catching those those small browns or that small cutthroat. Then, you know, I I would catching that big old rainbow back home because it's like it's new, it's exciting. Yeah, it's something different, and it's just cool seeing new fish. And and I mean, that's so much of everything I do. That's the whole purpose. It's I've never done it before, and so I want to learn how like to experience do it. something new. Yeah, that's been me my whole life. I've always I see somebody doing something. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be cooking it can be hunting it could be crocheting and yes i'm being dead serious when i say crocheting i know how to crochet um but, <laughs> uh, photo of, we're gonna need pics oh they i have them uh i have them and i actually just recently i was cleaning out our warehouse and i found the box of like my half finished scarves and blankets and beanies and crap that i used to crochet um, you know we were talking about this earlier though that like it's a very attractive trait in a person when they're just, like, interested in things. Like, I just, like, want to spend my time around people who, like, are excited about things. And I don't care if those things are anything I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. But, like, you don't want to hear someone talk, like, just be like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I'm Whatever. Like, I, I'm, like, just bland about everything. I don't care what it is. I just want someone to, like, light up when they, when they see something new or experience something new that they're excited about. Like, that's just such a, a positive, like, atmosphere to be in. Yeah. It's it's very easy to be like attracted and drawn to those kind of people and want to spend time around them because it's like I was equated to like sports. I I don't watch sports on TV. I don't enjoy it. But you take me to a game like and you can see people's excitement everyone's about it. Everyone's fired up. Yeah, everyone's fired up. You get caught up. So like hobbies are like that where you have somebody that's fired up about something whether it's again it's fishing or hunting whether it's cooking, whether it's golf, whatever it happens to be, if you get someone that's fired up about it and will share that with you, it's hard not it, it's hard for that not to be contagious and it just makes you want to be around that person because 
because you get that uplifting excitement. Yeah, um, I feel like it's like it's like when you when you get excited and your dog gets excited, but they don't know why. Yeah, it's like if someone else is excited about something. Like I don't care about golf, but if someone is like, "Oh my gosh, I love golf so much," and it's like. I'm gonna be more interested in listening to someone talk about it like that than someone who's just like, and here's what it, like, here's what's involved in golf. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't really care, but I'm gonna share this info with you. Yeah, it's, you know, and I think that is so much of that is is just why I got into hunting and fishing is I see people, I see people's joy with it, their excitement around it, and I want some of that, you know, and it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's been a a wild freaking trip, you know, <laughs> like getting into all this. And, um, so where did you like, like ex- not experience it like firsthand, but what did it, did you have like a trigger where you're like, Oh, like that looks fun when it, when it comes to fly fishing, did you see someone doing it or was it like a movie or, or something like it, that? You know, there, there's no like particular trigger that I could call out. I think it was just honestly, probably in general, like popular culture and pictures and, you know, because it is, it's like, you know, people talk about hunting all the time where it's like, you know, okay, there's lots of different views of hunting, but like that big romantic view of hunting is like, you know, hiking into the mountains with your bow and camping out for days. And it's it's just this very picturesque romantic view. You like view. picture someone standing on a cliff with like yeah. antlers on their back as they look over the valley. and <laughs> Exactly, you know, and, and I feel like... All, it, in the fishing world, that's what fly fishing is. It's like there's a lot of cool – I mean, there's hundreds of different ways uh, to fish. And, you know, there's there's salt water. There's deep sea. There's, uh, you know, there's uh, just spin, spin, uh, spin reels. There's all kinds of different ways to fish, all kinds of places you can fish. Um, but I feel like the fly fishing is that artistic, romantic – there's it's like that that whole concept of like being in the outdoors is healing and peaceful and it's the whole experience and and yeah it's it's again it's it's so much about fly so little about fly fishing is often catching the fish you know it's like it's just being out there and learning the craft and perfecting it and you know there's something like even if a even if a fish doesn't hit it when you make that cast and you like hit that spot under a tree and you get that perfect float down, you mend it just clean and you're like, ah, oh, that felt good. Yeah. There's like a, there's almost like a, like goals you can accomplish. And I love it when you get in that zone. Cause every once in a while you, you know, sometimes you're fishing, you're kind of absent-minded. You're just kind of going through the motions. But every once in a while, I feel like I get into this zone where, like you said, I'll be like looking at a, like a branch overhanging. I'm like, my sole focus right now is seeing if I can get a fly under that branch. And I'm going to try like, six different positions and you know a bunch of different casts and like see if I can get the fly to land land under there and then you do and it's like I don't even care if a fish hits it like I got the fly where I was trying to get it yeah and I've been working toward that for the past 20 minutes and it's just like that in itself is a it's I don't know it's like you feel like you're accomplishing a goal even if if you're not catching fish well and that's the thing like I talk about it from a hunting perspective on my podcast all the time where it's like you have to set your measures of success if you go out on your first hunting trip and you're like I'm going to go out and kill a 360 bull on my first hunting trip and da 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 and you're probably going to be sorely disappointed. But if you go out and you want to, you just want to experience or maybe you want to see a bull or whatever this is. And I think the same can apply to fly fishing because there are so many layers to it to where, it, you know, okay, you may not catch your, you know, uh, a record-breaking, uh, you know, brown trout on your first trip out. If you, you expect that, you're probably going to be kind of disappointed unless you get crazy lucky. 
Um, also, I feel like it can kind of ruin it. You know, like, you get that, and you're like, this is what it's like. And then you go the next time, and you're like, well, this sucks, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not doing what I did last time. Like, I, I almost feel like it would be really detrimental to someone's, um, this is going to sound really tacky, but, like, journey toward, you yeah. know, becoming a, an angler if on their first go they have, like, major success. Because most of the time that's not the case. And it's, you know, you, with anything, you have to learn to love the process of it. You know, if it's just about the the final piece, whatever the victory, again, you're going to be sorely disappointed because you can't, you can't win every time. It's just that's, you know, not how life works. And especially with wild animals, like whether they're elk, deer, cutthroats browns or a freaking carp like you know <laughs> <A> freaking carp <laughs> whether you're jack pulling bluegill out of a out of a cattle pond or you're you're fly fishing you know you're not you're, you're only like a small piece win. of the pie yeah like you could do everything right and it doesn't work out just because well just have didn't happen to be any fish in that in that hole that day uh, so I feel like you're in like the stage right now that's like almost one of the most interesting to talk to because it's not particularly interesting to talk to someone who started yesterday because they don't really they still don't really know anything yet. Um and also someone who's so ingrained in it that they forget some of those more simple things like they take for granted. Um you know, they just know how it feels. They're, they're mm-hmm. no longer thinking about things. But like Right now, I feel like you're in that stage where you're knowledgeable enough to at least, like, know what you don't know. You know what you know, and but you're still, like, kind of actively thinking about what you're doing. Um, and I'm making still conscious analyzing decisions. everything. Yeah. It's very conscious. Conscious it's, decisions. Yeah, intentional. So, like, what – like, are you able to, like, put into words what you're feeling right now in terms of um, feeling – the feeling between when you started and now and, like, see – like, w- picturing – going from now to when you're like super confident on the water and can um, hold your own. So here's the biggest thing. And this happened to me. I very specifically remember this happening to me with hunting. And then I, I remember it happening again, picking up fly fishing where I'm a researcher. I, I, I do a podcast. And so I have interview guests. I look things up online. I watch videos. I do, I read books. I, you know, talk to people in the fly shops. I do all of this. And then I go out and I look at the stream and I go, none of this makes any sense. I feel the exact. I feel like I've had that experience with elk hunting, where I feel like I could, I could tell you word for word what to do, and then I get out there and I'm just like, it's just like a blank slate on my face. Like comes over, and I'm like, I it forget just, it all. I forget everything I learned. And it's not even you forget <laughs> it. It's just you don't know how to apply it in that situation. Like you were picturing a different situation and you you nailed yeah. how to handle that, but then when that's not what's thrown at you. It all goes out the window. Yeah, and it's, and it's just you don't have the, you don't have those intricacies. You don't understand those quite yet. You understand the broad picture, but you know you don't. You just don't have those little, those little, you know, changes and uh, intricacies and in how to react to those. But I just remember my first time going out, like really going out, like because I went out and like I went to the sack, the you know sack river, like in town. I just kind of threw some flies out and just more for casting practice than anything. Um, but, uh, when I went out on like my first real trip, like, uh, went out on the river, you know, I went to the fly shop, talked to him about where I should go and like what flies I should use. And da da da. went through this whole thing and I drove out and I walked out into the river and I was kind of like, what now? Like, do I just like 
throw a fly in that spot. Like, like in your I, mind, you you kind of skip that step where you're like, yeah, and I get the flies, and then I, I cast them, and the fish are there. But like, there's so many, there's so many like small pieces in between there that yeah. you your mind did, like didn't even think to bring up like where would you cast it? Like in your mind, you're like, and then I cast it, but then you get there and you have to figure out where and how to do that, and it's it's not the yeah. same. And I mean, you know, you look. It's and it's a weird thing. Like you'd think, like okay, yeah. So you look, you read online, and it says, okay, these are the things you need to look for, and then you go out and you look for them, and it's just, it's just doesn't ever quite one hundred percent translate until, and and everybody learns differently too, and that's the thing. It's like I am the type of person I have to do something to learn it. Some people don't need to do that. Some people can literally read a book about something and master it right then and there, and God bless them. But I'm not that person. I have to do it, and I have to do it several times to understand. And and so for me, I went out, and I learned things. Trust me, like even my first time out, like I learned a ton of things and stuff about casting and dealing with wind and, and this, that, and the other. And, and what definitely I learned what doesn't work. Um, but then it wasn't until uh, I went up to Oregon and – hung out with a friend and we just went fishing for an evening and she was showing me a few things. And like I, all I learned was basically how to drift a fly and how to high stick. Like that's really all I learned. I didn't get a fish. I got a couple of strikes though, which was super exciting. And suddenly that like opened up a million things. And then that allowed me to, then the next time I went out by myself to actually feel like I was, practicing something like you're actually fishing and not just standing there and being like and now i'm gonna do step one of what i read Mm -hmm. you know like you're actually out there like in the experience and yeah and you feel like you're actively you know doing something like forward progress toward a toward your goal exactly and so i felt like i was legitimately fishing i felt like i was i you know I, i was still missing a ton of stuff but it peeled back one layer of the onion and that was something i knew how to work on and that I could, you know, it was one thing I'm like, okay, there's, you know, there's a hundred different ways to get a fly out there effectively and like how to, you know, how you're many doing all this. But I could sit and focus like, I'm like, okay, I, this is, I know how to do this. So what I need to do now is find a place where I can do this, where it's like, so it starts also narrowing down locations for me where it may not be the best place to fish, but I'm going to find a lot more success because I the one thing I know how to do, I can do in that place. So I'm more likely to catch a fish there than if I go to this other random place and try and try and cast or try and you know do all this all this other stuff that I really haven't developed yeah. and, and experienced yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a lot higher likelihood of success just doing what I know how to do, and starting to peel back those those layers. And then once you kind of I think that kind of broke the ice for me, and it allowed me to find enough like success and and knowledge to where then I would get strikes and I would make mistakes and I would kind of learn a few things and and you know I could get footholds and other in other little pieces of things and start you know just start getting feelers out into figuring out like different parts of the river and how you know how things react and um and then you know so I I I went out and I I found success when I was out in Montana. I went and found a spot where I could, I could just basically uh, roll cast 
and high stick, high stick my whole, you know, my, my fly down and I got my little mountain whitefish that we, we talked about that I couldn't even net because it kept falling through. <laughs> <laughs> through the net holes? Yeah. I, I, like, I, I scooped it up and I was like, my first fish. I was so excited and I saw it fall through and it's all in slow motion in my mind, you know? And so I see it falling through. I'm like, no. So I like flip the net and kind of catch it again and it slows it down. Starts falling through again, so I flip the net again. You're just and catch sitting it. there I just, like, keeping it in this yeah. <laughs> And my fly line's getting all tangled up, of course, like, in the net. And I, I managed to get, like, a hand underneath it and uh, got, like, the world's most garbage picture. But um, so I got that teeny little mountain whitefish. And I'm like, okay, like, things just as you do it more start to click. But you kind of need that first measure of success to, to recognize that. But then I, I got to go on a float trip with with my buddy. He invited me out. He's like, I know you, you're wanting to fly fish and learn this stuff. Come out on a float trip with me. And I learned a ton more on that, you know, because they'd give me and he's and he's a buddy. So he would always always do it a little more rudely, which was much more fun. Front of the boat. Catch the front of the boat. <laughs> yeah. you're OK. OK. <laughs> um, all good natured. But, you know, I, I learned more tips. And then coming out here. I mean, we worked on a ton of stuff, like little things with my casting, just, it was just, and I got more exposure to what a good run looks like, too. That was huge. Today? Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's, because it was like, it was, we were out long enough, and we were in a variety of enough, plate like, water, to where we could, you know, I you could show me, it's like, okay, you don't want to cast anywhere in this, this is too shallow, this is too rough, whatever it happens to be. This is like, this is an okay run. You know, there might be one spot. And, like, we talked about this stuff where you'd be like, yeah, I'd probably put, like, a throw two out in there in case, you know, happens to be one sitting there. But I wouldn't sit and spend all day casting into this spot. And then, you know, there's some spots where you see and you're like, yeah, this is There's definitely is a, the spot. a point that you hit where you, you can, like – assess it's almost it's not like you're thinking about it like this but you see the running you're almost assessing it on a scale of one to ten for like how much effort you should put into it mm -hmm. where there's somewhere you're like i am 100 percent sure there's there's at least one fish in this run um so i'll stay i'll stay there for a little bit longer because i'm like confident that if i try hard enough and vary my mm -hmm. you know cast enough that eventually i'll get it and then there's other runs where you're like this is like a two out of ten there is a you know, 10% chance that someone, that there's a fish in here. Um, so I'll give myself like two casts. Yeah. And if it's there, it's there. If it's not, I'm not going to waste my time like trying to make something out of nothing. And that's, that's again, it's not like a conscious thing you're thinking, but you'll get to that point where you start looking at runs and you're just like, like three out of 10, six out of 10. Like, oh, that, that run, there's a fish. I'm going to be staying there for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then if, especially if you spot a fish, that's when it's like, I'm going to stay here until this fish gives me the yes or no. Like, if it leaves, I'll I'll move, and if it's still there, I'm gonna keep trying. Yeah, and and I I started recognizing that like we you know the first the first couple uh, the the two cutthroats um, you know you you were right there with me you're walking me through stuff and you know you're showing me spots and um, and then the brown you know we were kind of walking up you're like yeah this looks like a good spot there's probably something in here but then I kind of it handled that and then. That second brown. You got that one all on your own. Yeah, I got that one. Um, that one was, and and I liked that one because it was one of those spots, like I just finished, I just kind of really fished out one run. And I wasn't seeing any success there, so I kind of moved up, and I just saw this one spot. And it, and, it was, and it was like that. I'm like, 
there's a good chance there's a fish there. Like I got a good feeling about it. And it was like a it was like a three or four out of ten. All right. But I was like, <laughs> you know, I'll throw a couple in. There was just a little small spot. It just slowed down enough and and threw a couple in there. I'm like, nah. I'm like, okay, I'll throw one more. And all of a sudden that dry disappeared. Um yeah, so we didn't get you didn't get any on the dries today, did you? No. Neither it was, did I. It was all on the droppers. Um Same. and uh that was the that was that second brown. And I was stoked on that. I'm like you know, same thing. I I saw that. I recognized kind of what we had talked about, and I was able to apply that and got me a dang fish, um, much to did my surprise. Feel, did that feel, like, better than the other three today because you were standing by yourself and, like, every like 100% of what happened was, like, decisions that you made, actions that you took, mm-hmm. and, you know, no help? I don't, I don't even like saying it felt better, but there was a sense of pride associated okay, with yeah. it. Like... Like better's not like saying it felt better is not the right word because it, it's a different experience. It's it's like one is like an excitement and a sense of learning, which is awesome. That's that's one thing. This was like this was an excitement and like a pride, like like the journey and the destination. Like yeah. you finally got there and you're like, I this is what I was working toward and I've you know the culminated in this in this fish right here. Exactly, and it's it's very much like. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a different experience. It's not better, not worse, um, but it was exciting, and you know, I was super, super proud to to have got that. And uh, um, I am, uh, and then and then I caught a couple of trees, uh, caught a lot of trees, likewise, and sticks. <laughs> um, we we both spent a good chunk of fly money today. <laughs> every time I like I every time I go fishing and I'm losing flies. I've got like a running money tally in my mind every single time. And I'm like, this isn't healthy. Like, why Why am I doing this? But like today I'm just like, well, I'm up to like $16. Okay. Well, knock on wood, we could have been fishing like streamers all day or something. I did so. fish streamers a little bit today. Well, towards, but I towards the end, but like, at least we, at least we weren't losing. On, yeah. Yeah, at we least were... we weren't losing like $6 flies versus, uh, you know, at least the ones I had were probably like, yeah. The, the the $3. They were between 2 and $3, yeah. probably. Yeah. But, uh, do you want me to make you feel really happy right now? Oh, dear. I've never thought to turn my net inside out when a fish goes through it and, like, catch it again on the other side. Really? Yeah, no, I always, I always like, when it goes through, I always just kind of, you know, I just set my net in the water and, like, reach under and grab the fish and, you know, try to basically try to get the hook out while it's in the water. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, it, it's that's kind of the moment for me where I'm like, I'm not getting a picture of this fish. If it makes it through the hole, I'm just gonna unhook it and yeah. just let it go on its way. And I've it's never once occurred to me that I could just like turn the net upside down <laughs> and get, get it back in the net. And it was like, it was it was almost it was it, like I feel like the Benny Hill music theme music should have been playing. It was like humorous because like slipped through and it was just whoo, 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 okay, like, and there we go, like hand twisting it up like. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that poor fish! Like thought thought he was gonna see freedom. Uh, he I'm did s- eventually. I'm sad to say that a lot of the fish I catch are small enough to fit through those holes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the fish we got today were within the same, I don't know, six to ten inch range. I'm still not totally convinced that that second brown trout I caught was not the first one. <laughs> like, I think it's pretty high likelihood it was a different. They all just look that. Way. That's just how they all look. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was just funny. It was like, I'm like, yeah, this is exactly the same size as the last one. <laughs> so I know you've, so now you've caught rainbow, 
Um, just talking about the trout. It's not the white fish. Yeah. Um, which is my my favorite fish. Um, but between the rainbow, the brown, and the cutthroat, like, do you have have you started developing like a preference of like I like this because like either the pattern or you know the type of water you're finding them in or like do you ha- are you starting to lean toward a sp- uh, type of trout? I think I would need to like fish for them in more in more of a variety of waters more consistently to really um, do that. I like you know I mean I grew up fishing rainbows so it's there's a nostalgia for me with those and. And also, it's the biggest fish I've caught on on the fly too, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, the The cutthroats are cool, um, just because I, it's it's like the Colorado State, like it's it's coming it's here, native, and it's the native fish, and none of the, none of the other trout that we're going to be catching this yeah. weekend are native. And so, I think that's cool. There's a unique list, but then I wouldn't necessarily th- say that's a favorite because if I went to another state and like was catching their native fish. I would be just as excited about that. Like it's because then, it was here in like in the setting, not the not objectively the fish itself. Yeah, and then well, and then like what we talked about too, just the name of it was it is cool because we I I also you thought it learned, was an aggressive businessman. Well, yeah, and that's like, <laughs> and again, I I say it's because of how it's spelled, cutthroat as one word is it means like aggressive and and you know like. Uh, tenacious. We'll take down the competition, and <laughs> and so that's what that's what I thought. That's why I thought I thought it was like a, a like a cutthroat trout was maybe like, and it, you know again I'm still learning about this stuff. So I thought maybe it was like okay, it's like a bigger, more aggressive trout. Like you hear cutthroat trout, you imagine like oh man, those are the trout that like go after like mice in the river and like you know they they're like really serious carnivores and like ah <laughs> kind of like that's so funny because that like never. Never crossed my mind. And I think of them as being like, oh, they're usually the little delicate ones. They usually get outcompeted <laughs> by all the other all the other non native species. And I think it's I think it's funny that like I'm just picturing a cutthroat, but like gigantic and aggressive. And like they do get big. Yeah. But I, I don't think they have that same reputation. It's like a brown trout is is what's got that reputation of, you know, it'll eat smaller fish and it gets really big and, and just like, mm-hmm. you know grizzled you know grizzled old brown yeah. trout and that's just like not what comes to mind with cutthroats <laughs> but you say yeah but you say the name cutthroat trout like and and how it's spelled is one word that's what it gets to me but i you know and then i'm like so why do they call it and you're like well you see look the it, red right there i'm it. like oh okay that makes sense it's a cutthroat trout which bothers me because it should be three words should be three words uh um, take it up with the, take it up with the authorities <laughs> take it uh, Colorado fishing game. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to talk to you. About this. <laughs> I tagged you guys on Instagram today. You owe me. Uh, <laughs> um, but that, I mean, that was just cool to learn. That was one of those cool things. I, like I said, I love learning new things. I love just getting more in depth on that. And then, and the Browns are cool. Like I really like the Browns too, just because their pattern is really cool. Like you know, they're they've got that that kind of yellowish uh and then the bright red spots and the second one like i i do think they were different ones but because i looked at the pictures later but the second one they were just like i mean they were like polka dots they were big and but for a very small fish they were really big and they were just bright red and it's just, it's just such a cool looking fish and a cool pattern um you know so they've all got their own unique things and i'm sure i'll develop probably more to do with like where i where i end up fishing them and and things like that and more the land the uh 
the the landscape rather than the fish itself. But uh, I I think I'd need more time fishing that because you know we were fishing for the we were fishing for the cutthroats and it was very kind of wooded. It was close in this smaller stream. We were fishing for the browns in a wide open bigger stream, and which was the the runs were a lot more evident there was a lot more places to fish those you know you you had a lot more lanes to fish those yeah there were more places to stand and access them for the for the cutthroat section it's pretty much like you stand you have to stand right here and if you get a little too close to that run it's blown out you're gonna go ahead and move up to the next one and with all those trees overhanging there's not much you can do. It's a it's a lot more. It was a lot more difficult, uh, and I'd say a lot more technical where we were fishing for the cutthroats. Then you get a you have a lot more leeway where we were fishing for the browns, um, and you know one's not bad. Um, but I feel like I again I'd have to fish them all. You know, fish for browns in a more technical environment. Fish for cutthroats in a more open environment, and like kind of learn about them and how they. And again, you know, I caught four little guys. Um, you know, I want to see how they fight and how they, you know, how they act and how they react to different flies and this and that and the other. And there's a lot to, there's a lot to learn. And, um, I think, you know, once I, once I get some more experience under my belt, once I reel in a few more fish and get them in the net, I'll, I'll start developing a favorite. I'm sure. I'm excited to see what you think about the brook trout tomorrow. If we do get some tomorrow, which we're, we're trying, um, we're gonna go to the Arkansas and, fish for, I don't know, whatever we get out of there, rainbows or browns, and then stop on the way home and see if we can get some brook trout. And they should be in their spawning colors right now, so they should be, like, extra bright. Okay. Um, and I I think objectively that brook trout are what I find to be the prettiest. They tend not to get as large as the other three um, in general. So I, th- I mean, the bar's set pretty low already for me, but... Uh. They get that big. They get as big as what we got today. <laughs> but, like, I feel like, I feel like they often are not appreciated as much just because they don't get as you're not gonna especially around here like there are trophy brook trout areas but even a trophy brook trout is not going to be comparable to like a trophy brown trout like that's yeah. not the same they're not in the same category but i think they have the the prettiest colors and i'm more a sucker for colors than size generally because mm-hmm. i don't know if the colors are good you can catch 10 fish and get to see them all and they're all beautiful but like you look at catch a big fish every so often it's like super exciting when it happens but if you're relying on that to be excited about it it's not going to happen very often if you can like really appreciate what they look like you get to get excited every time one comes in now do brook trout and and this is just me again on the name thing are brook trout typically found in like smaller streams and things like that i would like this is not a scientific answer but like i find in general yes if i go if i go to like a mountain stream and uh, just look in and see that there's fish in there and take a cast, I am assuming that it's brook trout. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, or cutthroats. You find some, like, small cutthroats in mountain streams. But, like, where we were today, and one like, a, kind of a larger, um, deeper pool, stuff like that, I'm, I'm expecting to find things like browns and rainbows. Okay. But if I end up in one of those small mountain streams, it, it always just seems to be brook trout. And I don't find brook trout in, like, the larger rivers as much. See, I almost wonder if that's how they got their name. Like, I mean, it's a brook trout. Brooks, and yeah. you say a brook, it's t- typically a smaller stream. And, you know, again, this is just me speculating completely. Same. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. And and probably that uh, – there's honestly, that's probably why a good chance why they don't get as big either because they're in smaller, smaller habitat. 
Well, I'd also guess, and again, this is just me guessing, but like I, I have caught brook trout in larger rivers where I'm not expecting to, but because they don't get as big, if there are bigger trout in the larger body of water, like let's say there's big brown trout, big they brown trout will wrecked. eat small fish. <laughs> yeah, so I would expect the brook trout to get taken out first if they're generally a little bit smaller. Like a rainbow might be able to hold its own against a. You're a in the brook. wrong. You're in the wrong part of town. Yeah, boy. Like, <laughs> you're about to get wrecked. And I also find generally that like if if you've got there's a lot of places that have browns and rainbows. Yeah. But I find a lot of the time that brook trout are by themselves. Like if you find a if you find a small stream that has brook trout, it's like oh, they're all brook trout. Okay. Um, and like even where we were today, like where we were up at the top was pretty much all cutthroats. And then when we came down, we caught only browns. There are rainbows down there, but I don't think they're as common. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes they do seem to separate out like that, where you're not catching a variety. And my favorite places are the ones where you don't know what you're going to catch. There's like a, you know, two or three different species. And so every time you hook into one, it's like, you're just like, oh, what is it? You know? <laughs> well, yeah, it just adds the, it's one more element of of interest and excitement and, and suspense kind of as, as you're bringing it in. And um, it's one of the coolest things I always think about fishing too is, you know, whether it's fly fishing, whether it's, you know, spin reel, whatever it is, you hook that fish and you really never know what size it is. Cause, and cause you're reeling it in and some of those small fish, they, they got big fight and some of those big fish, they don't always, you know, sometimes they just let you reel them in. It's crazy. And, and so it's always kind of exciting, you know, when that you get that first glimpse of them, either you know when they're, if they're staying under the water when they jump and especially if it's bigger than you thought, mm-hmm. you're like, whoa, look at that! <laughs> like that's a great yeah. feeling. And so you can make some <laughs> assumptions. You know, typically if you're like like fighting to get something in, likelihood is it's probably bigger. But you just you never you know, never and know. so it's it's always so exciting. I I just think fish are fish are cool, man. Fish are super super cool. I know you said that like when you're. Going forward, you're kind of excited to see if you know if they fight differently and like just pick up on those intricacies. Yeah. Um. The one fish. So some. I mean, I've noticed a little bit of difference between the trout species, but um. Did you notice a difference with your whitefish that it fought differently? Because I find that when I hook a whitefish, it's like it feels like a, there's a brick on the bottom of the river, and the the line isn't doing much except slowly, you know, moving around left to right. It's not mm. doing, you know, jumps and things like that. You can usually tell that it's a whitefish and not a trout. I yeah, it definitely wasn't like it definitely wasn't like the trout that were like woo Jumping, like, yeah. you know, all over the place. <laughs> it was it felt like it should be a lot bigger and it yeah. it, it kind of had that feel of like a big fish that was staying Something's under just the like water. hanging like, there. Like, it's like trying to line. pull away rather than like really fight. It's mm-hmm. just trying to pull you away. And so I actually expected it to be a lot bigger. I pulled it out, I'm like, Oh, that's not teeny. Um, it's like kinda bittersweet because on one hand it there's always fun to feel like you're fighting a big fish. But then it's always – I feel like the whitefish are usually smaller than they feel like they are. <laughs> yeah. And it, so I, de- I definitely do remember that. I don't totally remember everything about about catching it. But I do remember thinking like – because I had hooked a couple of them. And I, I like, caught a glimpse of them before I couldn't quite get them in the net. And uh, and I'm pretty sure they were all whitefish. And they all kind of felt that same – it felt like it was a bigger fish fighting me for longer rather than like – it, it's like – it feels like trout almost, they fight hard, they're aggressive, they're fast, they're all over the place, and then they burn out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Versus that one was like, yeah, I'm in for the long haul, I'm going to wreck you. Like, it's I'm gonna like, wreck yeah, it. like the tortoise and the hare. 
Like the trout, the trout's the hair. Mm-hmm. They're just like jumping all over the place. And the white fish is like, I'm going to pace myself here. And really, yeah. I don't know if you've ever done any walleye fishing, but they, they remind me of walleye, the way they fight. Okay. Just, it feels like you hooked into a log that's slowly drifting downstream, like bouncing off the bottom. Um, and you're kind of just trying to pull in what feels like dead weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trout, the trout never feel like dead weight. Like you can really feel them yeah, thrashing. Yeah, they're, they're thrashing and jerking around. And, you know, if you catch, uh, catch ones the size, uh, I took down monsters like those. You pretty much just set the hook. You yank the whole fish out of the water and catch it with your yeah, net. Yeah, I think I did catch um, one of yours with the net. Today. There, there, I think the first one. That's that's what happened. Is uh, oh, I was remembering the brown, the first brown you caught. Was it the first? It was like airborne, and I just reached out and like that's right. It was grabbed it as it. It was that first brown. It's like uh, I set the hook. I kind of I I pulled back a little bit and, and to start pulling in. And it, it was kind of like as it jumped to, and it was up in the air. And I remember, yeah, you did catch that one. Oh, my gosh. That was funny. Yeah, it definitely happens with small uh, – you're going to launch more small fish <laughs> in your life. <laughs> hopefully, most of them land in the water and not, like, in the grass. Fingers crossed. Unless I'm eating them. But I hopefully am not eating small fish. That's a whole different thing. Right. That was – and that's the other thing. That's actually something uh, I kind of thought was interesting when I first started fishing is – because I like before I started fly fishing, I never was really understood the catch and release thing, because effectively, I'm just always catching stocked rain, big old stocked rainbows with a rod and reel. And the whole point of us going out there is because we're going to be eating them that night. So you know we catch a limit, go back, grill them up, and it's just it's so different again with fly fishing too. One because you're you're trying you're checking out different species and this and that and you know you. Uh, it's more about the experience again, like we going back to what we talked about earlier. It's more about the experience than the end result. I feel like with fly fishing, with rod and reel fishing, there's some experience. Like, it's you don't have that experience. Yeah, it's peaceful. It's relaxing. You know, you sit back with a beer and a book, and it's great. Like, I love, I love it like that. But, but fly fishing again, it's it's all about that experience. It's not necessarily about. Yeah, it's about catching the fish. Like, I mean, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blow smoke up, my, you know, up at everyone's ass and like, be like, you know, it really doesn't matter if I, I passed ever. on three fish today. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw him there. Three-year-old. <laughs> you passed on a three-year-old. <laughs> yeah, you know, it wasn't. Uh, you've seen the, you've seen the lunkers I, I catch. Uh, well, it's like you said, like you said before, where it's, it's that fish that you caught all by yourself. Um, where it's almost like the fish is an affirmation that you did the right thing. It's not the fact that you're holding the fish. Like, yeah. you know, when you're holding the fish, it's like, it's nice. And you, and you look at it, and you put it back. But it's... Well, it's, you can't really look at it. My hands are too yeah, big. If you're, you, if you can't see the fish. Your hands are blocking the whole you know? thing. <laughs> you, you just see the line going into one end of my hand and then maybe a tail sticking out the back. <laughs> right. But it's like, it's not the it's not necessarily the fish itself, especially for the smaller one. Like, if you catch a big one, sure, you might be really excited about yeah. that particular fish. But for the fish today... I feel like it was less the the actual fact that you're holding a fish and more just like what I did was correct because I am now holding a fish. So that like is rewarding. That it, it's like my first grade diploma kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You, know? like, you like did it. I just graduated first grade. <laughs> I got my gold star. A teacher shook my hand. Now I can move on to second grade and learn new things, you know? Yeah. It was it was definitely a lot of – it was that, yeah, affirmation um, that – it's 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 the checkpoint, you know. It's like okay, I've reached, I've reached the checkpoint uh, in my in my game. Now I can you know now I can move, move on, on to the next step, kind of a thing. Did you have any either like new questions that popped up today, or questions that you had had previously that you answered while you were out there? 
there was a lot of I mean a lot of it like what we talked about earlier was recognizing spots on the water and it's it clarified a lot of that stuff and I think some of some of what we talked about even with that was uh like okay you know I was kind of assumed I should be casting into the still pools and but it's like yes no but kind of on the edge of them and and it was just refining that was the biggest thing for me I think was refining where you know where I should be casting where I should be looking for fish what to look for in runs that was that was huge um and well, then, I also – not to cut you off, but uh, I also feel like before you have that experience, it you might feel like it's more black and white. Like, do you cast there or do you not? And it's more like what are the odds that there's a fish there? And it's more of like a spectrum of – you know, there's places that aren't great, but they're still worth a cast or two. Yeah. Um, versus just like, well, like do you cast there or do you not? What you were talking about, the the uh, subconscious rating system. You know, it's like, okay, that's a three caster. Yeah. You know, that's just a, like, okay, I'm going to toss one while I'm, like, walking up the street. Yeah, yeah. Like, and if, if there's something in there, great. If not, I'm not going to, you know, exactly. lose sleep over it. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm trying continue. to I'm trying to think if there was any any real specific questions. And I feel like I w- was asking you, asking you stuff along the way. And I like that. It's just, like, so easy to work with somebody who wants to – who has questions themselves instead of you just being like, by the way, do this, by the way, do that. It, yeah. it, it almost feels like not mean, but I don't want to just be like, Oh, so your cast is bad. Here's how we can fix it. Like I, I want yeah. somebody who's like, Hey, this doesn't feel right. Can I improve on this? You know? Yeah. And I mean, you, uh, the, the good and bad thing about fly fishing is you learn pretty quickly when you're doing something wrong. Like it becomes bad pretty stuff happens. Evident, <laughs> like, and you, you know, when you have to then retie flies a lot, uh, <laughs> or untie knots a lot. Yeah, I didn't see know. you untying too many knots today. I feel like you had. Yeah, because I got really fast. I know. Well, <laughs> once we once we switched up the leader, that was, and you know what, that was huge. That was a huge learning thing because most of the places I've fished we're pretty like wide open. I'm trying to do pretty long casts to get in different sections and long floats. It wasn't as tight as we were when we were chasing the the cutthroats. And dear lord, yeah, once we once we took that down and I was able to actually get some fly line out of the out of the tip of my rod rather than like I feel like you were three... using like a 10 foot, 11 foot leader at one point today. Oh, it was just because it was originally, well, because uh, what's that? Okay, what's that section again called? I don't actually know what it's called. Um, but the I was what saying, is it, a I perfection was, loop is that what oh, you called yeah, it? Oh yeah, yeah. So basically, the it's like a thick piece of mono line that's nail knotted to the fly line, and it has a perfection loop in the end of it. So yeah. you can just do loop to loop every time you attach a leader. But yours was like a foot long. Um, yeah, that I was feel like really it should have been long. like three to four inches long. And so, that. yeah, we shortened that down, and then I had, like, a brand new nine foot. It was – I mean, I think I'd fished, like, three times on it, so it was cut down a little bit. But it was, like, a nine-foot leader. So there's probably – I mean, just for argument's sake, let's call it an, you know, eight foot of that leader left. Um, Which is not ter- – like, that's not inherently bad. It was bad for that area. Yeah. Like, the leader's length really needs to match. Like, it, it does – also go with the rod you know like the rod comes into account when you're picking your leader length but yeah. it's also if you're in a tight spot like that and you're only you've only got leader to cast it's gonna get caught in the wind um you can't you don't really have much control over it and it's just unwieldy 
Yeah, and I mean, it's effectively we could get about three inches of fly line out to manage. So, you know, there's a little bit out, but any more than that, and there's just no way to manage it. Um, because it, it was, I mean, it, we had a canopy, like there was a full canopy of trees above us. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like every so often we'd find like a nice open spot where if I was in the center, I could, I could, uh, overhand cast, but it was a lot of kind of pseudo roll casting and, but like, but not well, because roll casting kind of relies on having a little bit of fly line out exactly. to get that weight to yeah. roll over. And so it was Honestly, more it was almost like I was just jack pulling for for some of it. Like I would I'd kind of get enough line out to where I could manage the manage it, and I would like flip it up in there and just yeah. like let it float down. And, and and that happens sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's so tight, like choked with willows and stuff that yeah, like there's not much you can do. Yeah, you know, you can only have so short a leader. Um, and but today was like a good once you got it down. I feel like it it went a lot better. Yeah, that wasn't that was unmanageable. You know, and the other thing, the other thing I wanted to learn and that we took on was just some additional knots. And I learned all about the, because up until then, I'd been fishing. I'd have a leader. I'd use up that leader until it got too Yeah, okay, so you learned thick. about tippet today. Yeah. So you hadn't done line to line. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'd never done line to line. And because I would just, man, I can't, I cringe to think how many leaders I've tossed at this point that I should have just been tying on to. <laughs> Because, you know, I would just use it until it... So, what did you think Tippet was for? Because you have some. Um, I thought it was effectively for just making leaders. Or... Uh, well, I mean, it, it or, is. Or doing little drop rigs or this or that or the other. Oh, you know, I like, see. Yeah, like if you were just tying on an additional piece of line to your... Uh, yeah. Like first, your point fly. And I kind of figured there was probably... Uh, you know, I, you know, I, to some extent, I kind of figured there was something I was either missing or like, you know, there was ways to do that. And again, I didn't know it, so I just bought a lot of leaders <laughs> and when they got i mean it works when they got to when i looked at them i'm like yeah that's getting a little a little fat let's put on the new leader um that adds up really quickly oh yeah it does uh those, those pieces of monofilament line are not cheap yeah and so uh that was that was actually a big learning learning uh which is funny because you know somebody tells you something like you talk about a surgeon's knot i know what a surgeon's knot is but out of context, I didn't relate that to the knot I already knew. But when then you showed it to me, like I saw you tying the knot and you're like, yeah, there's a surgeon's knot. I'm like, oh. Like you're assuming that in the context of fishing, it means something else or something like well, that. Well, it just doesn't even click. Like, you know, you say, okay, you know, we're doing fishing. This is a surgeon's knot. Like, I don't think like, oh, I already know a surgeon's knot. Because I just, Separately. it's a completely different thing. It just never even comes up in my mind until I see the knot tied. And I'm like, okay, okay, it's all coming back now. Um, and so that was a big thing. Uh, just uh, starting to learn better ways to use the rod, the tippet, the, you know, different stuff to tie on. Learning about the 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 dry float and that stuff was great I'm oh the dry shake the dry shake yeah yeah you should get some of that i definitely need to get some of that uh because there was a lot of times too where like i'm sitting there and i'm like just false casting a bunch and then i'm like blowing out my fly just so i can put some more floating on it and especially like in those spots with the browns where the water was a bit more aggressive um you know we're we're throwing some pretty light dry flies you know with the droppers and 
between the aggressive water and then they would just get waterlogged. They just weren't quite enough unless they were like had a decent amount of floating on them. And it, you know, both times those fish struck, they drug them under and needed to re up, and the the gel just wasn't handling it. Yeah, no, it's that dry shake is is pretty necessary at times because sometimes. Like, sometimes your fly will just get sucked under and whatever. It just requires, like, a, a shirt sleeve or something. But there's, like, a point where you, you tip over the edge where that fly is now, like, waterlogged. waterlogged. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't do much about it without actually drying it out. Had, had Were either of the two fish you caught before this trip on a dry fly? Or have they all been uh, on nibs? Both were on dry flies. Oh, they both were. Okay. One was on a one was on a drake. Uh, you caught the whitefish on a dry fly, too. Yeah. Yeah, the, oh, the whitefish was... Uh, it was like sundown, and it was one of those moments where like I was really proud of myself because I was like watching the bugs. And I'm like, I've got one of those, and, <laughs> and I I put the drake on. It was like a a brown or a green drake or something, and uh, I got a bunch of strikes that night. Like, um, and I almost got another one in the net too, but it was all it was all in those drakes. So those those were all on dries, um, and they were just the, it's just the spot I was in. There's a lot of bugs. They were really feeding on the surface. Um, and then the, the rain, no, the rainbow was on, uh, was on that, uh, the white claw fly. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was, so that, that one's not a dry though. No, that one's, is that considered a streamer? It looked kind like of, one. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's like a weird, it's like, well, it's his own like fly type that, that random dude. It looks like an unweighted streamer, yeah. like just a kind of a big fluffy thing, but yeah. it, it I, I would assume it's mimicking a bait fish. Well, yeah, and I, like, I remember I, you know, I talked to that, that dude, gave him a, let him, you know, I gave up a section of the river, because I was like, I don't know this river, I can fish anywhere, it's going to be all the same to me, um, so I'm like, go ahead, swim, you know, here, there's a couple of white claws in the cooler, if you want them, give him his girlfriend some, and, yeah, like, an, uh, an hour later, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of coming back up to probably get some snack out of my car or something, and he waved me over, and he's like, hey, man, you know, I, I tied this, my own personal, personal fly that i tie all the time i fish it here constantly and they'll just hammer the hell out of it he's like the rainbows here are like serious meat eaters you need like either something that looks like a mouse or a bait fish like and uh and lo and behold next morning was casting that i'm like okay i'll put this on cast it like third you know third cast in hammered on uh that rainbow just hammered down on it and uh i was I, i pulled him in i'm like this is not a small fish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I call it. I, so I refer to that one forever as the white claw fly. Um, received in trade for uh, two lime white claws. You should reach out to that guy and see if you can get the name like uh, he, added to that fly. Yeah. He uh, I like. I, I, he said he was gonna like look me up or something and like send me a message, but I never never heard back from him, and I was kind of bummed because I'm like. I feel like I just want to like I want to thank him for that and yeah. like because he because he walked me through some stuff too and you know he's like okay this is how you want to fish this fly and you know uh, give it a nice long cast give it a big old men downstream and just let it like swing and kind of swim around and just watch it and you know you'll see you'll feel it when when they hammer on because I mean that's a big fly that's yeah. not you know that's not small fish coming after that thing so but yeah it's been it's been a fun time. Um, what has it? Is there anything that you've noticed that's been different than what you expected? Like something specific that you were surprised by coming from hmm. just a couple of months ago, just hearing about it to actually, you know, getting quite a few fish in the net. Honestly, like how teeny flies can get always blows me away. 
Like, and I, I don't even want to say that surprised me because, like, you go in the shop, but, like, legitimately using those flies just feels weird. I'm like, this is so teeny. How am I ever going to catch something with this? And but then, then like, you're surprised when fish actually see them. But the dry flies are hard. The really, really teeny dry flies are hard to use. It's no harder to use a tiny nymph than a, a larger one. Yeah. But the dry flies, sometimes you put, not like an, an actual indicator, but there are flies that are small enough that it's like, well, I, this is the dry fly I want to use, but I had to tie a second dry fly on this rig and I'm going to use that as my indicator where mm-hmm. if I see a fish rise within, you know, six to eight inches of, of that fly, I'm going to assume it's on my other one because you, know you can't what? see it. That's the, that's one of the things I learned that, that we kind of talked about too. And I mean, you know, this is probably obvious to a lot of people, but you know, I'm, I'm watching this fish and I'm, and, uh, you know, it looks like he's just swimming around my dry fly, and you're like, no, he's definitely hooked, and you need to reel that crap in. Like, oh, like he was eating your nymph, and yeah, you're like, oh, look at him just dancing around under that. Exactly. Well, <laughs> I was like, it lo- just looked like he was swimming around, and you're like, if he is that close, he's eating your nymph. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's not that he was that close. Not just the fact that he was that close. It was the fact that he did that uh, that big flash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was that was him basically. Striking or. Yeah, so the fish will, like, kind of sit in their lane. You know, it, they'll be eating food as they come down, but they have to kind of go left and right to get in the lane of the food as it as it okay. washes down. So if you see a fish uh, right as your fly goes past it, kind of, like, dart to the side and, and flash, there's a very good chance that it was doing that to get to your fly. And, like, sometimes it's not. You know, it might have been another piece of food was coming down right at that time. But, you like, I always set the hook if I see that happen. It's worth the risk, you know. Yeah. And and your, then your dry fly did go under, too. So it's not necessarily that you set the hook right when you see that, because it might still be a little early. They might still be moving mm. to get to the fly. But when I see that flash underneath my dry, I immediately look at the dry and wait for it to go under, because that's when they actually have it in their mouth. So it's, it's yeah. more just like an indication, like, get ready, because your dry fly is probably about to go underwater. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot more sense, and I mean, it, it, just with like with anything, there's just so much constantly to like. But those are so fun to like. On and that's what I love about like where you are right now, because it's things that again, like I take for granted, and it's fun to watch someone else have that like realization, like that gotcha. Oh, moment. yeah, that makes sense, and it's just like fun to relive. You know, we all went through that at some point where that wasn't obvious. Yeah, and then at some point that'll be obvious to you too, where you see it and you're like, how would you not? Like, how would you not assume that that flies or that fish is eating your fly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully, the next one will be bigger. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe maybe we tomorrow go. we'll you'll be to that that next tier and <laughs> get, maybe get some bigger fish tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just you know I'm just excited to be out and bigger fish or not. And I think that's what we were talking about earlier, where it's you know you're like okay, well, where do you want to go? Here's some different options. This is what it'll be like. I'm like you know, I'm still at the point where I really don't need to catch a big fish. I just want to experience it and see some action and like feel them striking and versus like I would rather at this point, especially I would rather even, even if I don't get them in the net, I'd rather have like 10 or 20 uh, fish, you know, striking, you know, small ones, whatever. And like learning that stuff. And then, you know, go all day. It's kind of slow, but then we catch like, you know, Big old uh, what what was the Hog Johnson? Hog Johnson. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe for Hog Johnson, I'd I'd have a boring maybe, day. We'd make but, exception for Hog Johnson. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I'd rather just I'd rather see action all day, and uh, even if it's smaller, than 
you know, have a have a long day where, you know, it's like an hour between every strike we get. You know, we're lucky. If, you know, it, it's like, yeah, they may be bigger, but. It's um, a lot easier to stay engaged if you feel like you're, if you're like, oh, I'm the problem. I just like, I'm not setting the hook. Yeah. You know, like, I can, I can fix this. This is something I can, I can fix my hook setting to make this work. But if you're not getting any strikes, you're like, well, I can change my fly, but I don't really know what to change it to. And I, I kind of feel hopeless. Yeah. That's how I felt in my elk hunt this year. I was like, just nothing stalking. Well, you have nothing to play off of, nothing to yeah. work with. No feedback. No feedback except exactly. this isn't right. But, like, no feedback apart from that. It's like, okay, is it my casting? Is it my nymph? Is it my dry fly? Is it the place I'm picking? Is it the, you know, am, it, did I spook them somehow? Like, there's so many open questions. Whereas if you just get just a little bit of feedback one way or the other, <laughs> at least, and that's what it was like for the, for the, with elk hunting for me, uh, same exact same thing. It's just, it took a long time before I had that feedback to feel like I was really making progress with my learning. Yeah. It's, it feels so much better to be like, well, I messed that up, but next, like next time I'll, I'll get it right. Yeah. But if, yeah, if you're just like watching drifts and nothing's happening, it's like, I don't know where to start. Like, am I in the wrong spot? And you're, and you're looking at it. You're like, okay, like, am I not, am I, am I not mending like correctly, or am I mending and like jerking the fly, or this or that? Like, even just within that, and you're watching this drift. It's like, okay, or is there just no fish there, one way or the other? Yeah. But do you have any like specific goals for tomorrow? Tomorrow in particular. Um. Besides trying to get the other two species, yeah, like I mean, a, week, a weekend cool long get, grand slam. Yeah, it'd be cool <laughs> to get the other two species. Um. I think just uh, getting a little more precise and a little more technical with my casting would be nice. Just so I'm spending more time fishing and less time decking around with my line and my rod. Like, <laughs> um, I feel like you're doing very well for how long you've been doing it, especially with the drifts. Like, I feel like your casting is still, you know, when I watch you cast, it's, it's not bad, but it's still clear that you're still getting your getting into yeah. the flow. You're like figuring out what's comfortable for you. But I feel like once your flies on the water, you actually do a pretty good job of of like managing the drifts. Okay. Which is you know some people really struggle with that. And I do need. I would like to work on my mending a little bit more. I'm like I'm I'm okay at it, but fifty percent of the time I'm like jerking the fly when I do it. And that like, that will keep happening. I mean, even when you're a lot better at mending, sometimes your dry fly just goes flying when yeah. it happens. And I mean, you get, you try it again and it happens. Just cast, yeah. It's just what happens. Cast again. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying to, th you know, the, I just getting more precise with my casting would be good again, you know, just solely for the purpose of like spending more time fishing. Um, and you know, it would be nice to, uh, I don't know, just get, get in the groove a little bit more and, and try and, uh, see more action, get a few more fish. I mean, you know, it's again, it's a slow process. My standard, <laughs> my standards are, are set pretty low and it's, it's pretty much after today, like, after today's extreme success. I mean, again, I feel like the bar is set. <laughs> it's at the top right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's really, I just want to be out fishing, you know, and I want to, it's a lot like hunting for me in that, you know, when I'm hunting, you know, say I'm deer hunting, I got, you know, my first year I got a spike. Like, the next one I want to get, as long as it's a forky, I'm good. 
or, you know, as long as it's a little bit bigger, a little bit of a step up, as long as I'm progressing with anything. And with fishing, it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bigger, bigger brown trout or whatever, but if, as long as I'm progressing, so if I'm catching something new, if I'm improving on a skill, if I feel like maybe I just, I was just more effective on the water one way or the other, I'll be happy. Um, you know, again, like it, it all comes down to damn straight. I want to catch a bunch of fish. That'd be badass, you know, catch a, a big old monster and, you know, fight him and, and, you know, fall into the water and then hold him up. And then my dad and my brother take a picture. And then I got you know, get I beaten like in an alley really and, and, oh wait, sorry. I've had a moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you know, it's, it's exciting. You know, you want to have that moment, like that, that movie moment, you know, where yeah. you're casting and you just, were you like picturing fish. yourself from the outside? Oh yeah. I like, totally. Oh man. Like, you know, I'm watching myself from like an aerial view right now, fighting this fish. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sometimes, like, and, and there are those moments, like, especially when you get, like, a really good cast, you're like, that probably looked pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, let me dust off the shoulders here a little bit. Uh, well, do you want to, uh, before we wrap up, just, like, plug all your stuff? Because we didn't really talk about your podcast at all yet. Yeah, so, um, I, uh, again, as I mentioned, I, I have been only hunting for about four years, brand new hunter, um, and I started a podcast, uh, Three and a half, four years ago. Uh, I thought it was longer than that. I didn't realize that it was just three or four years ago. Yeah, some somewhere around there. The brands, uh, the original brand has been around for about five years, and then you know I tried okay. tried blogging for a year, and that didn't work out well. Um, so I started a podcast because I like talking. Um, but so I really, I really started a podcast because I was getting into hunting, and I only knew a couple of people. Like I knew like one dude in. I just wanted an well one I wanted to kind of chronicle what I was doing and and share my my experience and my journey but two I just wanted an excuse to talk to cool people and be able to reach out and learn from them and uh you know there's not a ton of formats where you can walk up to someone like Christy Titus or Remy Warren or Jim Shockey and be like hey can I ask you pointed questions about this thing I want to learn for the next hour yeah, can um, I just can I just get free info from you for exactly. an hour and a half and 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 I that's figured crazy you know if I'm looking for this there had to be other people out there and if you know I can just let other people be a fly on the wall for these awesome conversations I'm having that's great and so you know I'd started this podcast and uh, you know I think as of the time we're recording this I'm right around like one sixty eight one seventy and got a bunch of bonus episodes we talk a, and it's a little bit of everything it's just anything I find interesting. And I find a lot of stuff interesting. So whether it, you know, I tend to focus mostly on backcountry big game hunting, kind of western elk hunting, that kind of stuff, mule deer. But every so often I'll have an episode on turkey. I'll have an episode on on bear hunting. I'll, we'll talk a lot about fly fishing. Um, Do you time it at all with like what's going on? Because I know a lot of podcasts that cover both will be like in the summertime we're talking about I fishing. I try the... to. Okay. Um... It just never quite seems to always do that. I mean, it's also like guest availability. Yeah. and. I mean, I, like I talk a lot about elk hunting before elk season because that's my biggest passion. But, um, you know, I just like finding interesting people, like finding cool stories, uh, like finding good information and sharing that. And, you know, I mean, I've talked with some incredible people. Um, and, you know, you... 
young young folks, old folks, men, women. Uh, I mean, anyone and everyone across the board from all experience levels, from all types of hunting, from all types of the outdoors, motivational stuff, uh, tactical stuff, and. So uh, the podcast used to be called Living Country in the City. Now it's called The Wild Initiative. Uh, got out of the city, thankfully. Um, Not just Living Country in the Country, which uh, doesn't have the same. Oh my gosh, the amount of jokes and people suggesting that it was just like, you should. Oh, you're gonna have to call Living Country in the Country now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, yeah you're like. Oh, sorry, I just idea. made that joke. Oh again. no, no. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm real witty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you can find it. Uh, Got the website, thewildinitiative.com. I mean, pretty much you type the wild initiative into just about anything. I will pop up, whether it's anything on social media or YouTube or any anywhere podcasts can be found. Wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, what, what do I always <laughs> say? Or search for the wild initiative on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. Um, <laughs> dear Lord. Uh, yeah, but that's me. Um you can find me on there uh, sharing just about everything. You can make sure you head on over to my Instagram page. Check out the massive fish I just posted up from today. They don't even fit in the picture, really. I mean, I mean, you know, you, it's like, you know, you can make a panorama and scroll. We had to actually take the panorama functionality. Uh, from, yeah, from head to tail. Um, That'd be kind of a funny thing to do, actually. It's just like get a really <laughs> small fish, put panorama across it, like really close up. <laughs> Oh, I know what we're doing tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> make our fish bigger. Yeah, that's me. All right, well, we can probably sign off, and maybe we might still have time to watch River Runs through it. There we talked about doing that tonight, but all right, awesome. Well, first in-person podcast. It was really fun. There we go. I'm glad we did it. <laughs> all right, and that is all. As always, if you liked what you heard, I'd love for you to go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts and subscribe there. Uh, if you've got a couple extra minutes, a rating or review would also be much appreciated. It doesn't take too long, and it makes a big difference on my end. You can also find all my episodes on fishuntamed.com, in addition to fly fishing articles every two weeks. And you can find me on social media under my name, Katie Burgert, on Go Wild or at Fish Untamed on Instagram. And I will see you all back here in two weeks. Bye, everyone.